Oh, that stretched all our vocal cords, didn't it? All right, we're going to read from God's Word now. We're reading from Genesis. Um, And this time it's chapter 39. So we'll read the first 12 verses of Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, Because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And that's our reading. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we're going to continue uh, reading through Genesis tonight. Um, and this reading is from Genesis chapter 41, uh, verse 41, uh, through to the end of the chapter. So it's Genesis chapter 41, verse 41. And it comes under the heading, Joseph in charge of Egypt. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And men shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphnath Paneh, and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went from Pharaoh's presence, sorry, went out from Pharaoh's presence and travelled throughout Egypt. 
During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all of the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the land of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. May the Lord bless this reading from his word. Thanks, uh, Hayden, for reading um, God's Word tonight. Um, Ian did mention, oh, there you go, all my notes on the ground. I'm going to preach without notes tonight. Um, let me get that, please. Okay. Well, friends, um, we had about um, uh, 53 years of marriage, and uh, on Friday night, Rose and myself, we were invited to a 60th wedding anniversary. It was a wonderful event, a couple that loves the Lord, and it was a great celebration, except that uh, my dear wife got ill that night, so it wasn't really a pleasant one, but it was good, and we praise God for marriages. Uh, It's a wonderful thing to celebrate God's grace and His love, and and we've been studying the book of uh, Genesis, And we've seen that our God works in a wonderful way as we trust him and uh, obey his word as well. So let's come to our God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is given for us, that the word of God endures forever. We ask that you'd give us understanding of your word and help us to apply it into our hearts and lives, that we might know the author of your word through Jesus Christ, your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, have you ever felt abandoned? Ever felt that life is really not fair? Have you ever felt that your life is basically falling apart and you just don't know what to do? And perhaps you've cried out, God, where are you? Are you really there? Can I really trust you? And for us tonight, the question is, does God abandon us? Does God abandon us? It's a good question. 
And we're going to work our way through this passage. I must say that when I looked at uh, the preaching plan, and we looked at three chapters, verses chapters 39, 40 to 41, and trying to condense it in 30 minutes is going to be a massive task here. Um, I usually pick up two, three, or four verses and exegete a passage, but working through three chapters is a massive one. But we're going to look at the big picture idea here tonight. Does God abandon us? So we have been working our way through the book of Genesis, and I've been services, and today we are back to the life of Joseph. We've been looking at chapter 37, and last week was chapter 38, right in the middle of uh, Joseph's life. And we are back here in, verse, in chapter 39 which deals with part of Joseph's life. And next week, we're going to look at the other part as well. So the story of Joseph has, I think, three important aspects for us to understand. Well, let's see. It tells us how Israel wound up in Egypt. It spells out the promise of God in Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 2, was fulfilled to make Abraham's family into a great nation. And behind all of that taking place is the, in the life of Joseph is the hand of God fulfilling his amazing purpose. And so let me briefly highlight tonight how Joseph, uh, just some things that we need to remember about Joseph. We have seen how Joseph was sold into slavery and thrown into a pit. If we retrace our steps, we see how, how Jacob's wrong parenting contributed to the jealousy of his sons and their brother. Joseph also played his part in sharing with his brothers about his dreams and bragging about them, causing his brothers to get really angry and jealous. Uh, Siblings don't do that, do we? Well, I can't really speak because I don't have any brothers and sisters. Uh, Do you really do that? I'm sure not. Um, The choice of the brothers' language uh, tell us that they, in fact, hated him. Uh, They were jealous of him. They decided to do evil to him, and this was a dysfunctional family from all accounts. And out of place, uh, somewhere around Dothan, the brothers took Joseph, and in Shechem sold Joseph into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. So where does Joseph go from here? He's sold into slavery, and he's actually sold into the hands of one of the top officials in the court of Pharaoh in Egypt. This officer's name was Potiphar. And when Joseph lands into slavery, instead of grumbling and being absorbed with self-pity, he becomes a great slave. He becomes one who displays an incredible uh, integrity in his position there. One who displays an incredible loyalty to his master. He rises up to be the head slave over everyone else. And now Potiphar had a wife. Mrs. Potiphar. And this is where we are in the story so far in the life of Joseph. These three chapters, that is Genesis chapters 39, 40, and 41, have a substantial amount of material. But for tonight, let me just highlight the big picture issues in these chapters. So Joseph is in Potiphar's house. Mrs. Potiphar takes note of this young, handsome bloke, Joseph. We have the imprisonment of Joseph for no wrong of his doing. The only crime being that he refused to have sex with his master's wife. Then there are the dreams, the butler, the baker, and Pharaoh. The interpretation of the dreams and the fulfillment of those dreams. And then we see the promotion 
of Joseph from a pit, basically, to the pinnacle, to the highest office in the land. This is, I was kind of reading through these chapters this past, the, uh, in the past week. I was so encouraged once again to examine the life of Joseph. Uh, I was saying to my wife, I said to Rose, what are a lot of things that we could learn from this man? His life, his integrity, and his service for God. So we're going to pick up today from um, the seduction that we have from uh, Mrs. Potiphar. Let's look at here. In chapter 39, so kind of keep your Bibles open to 39 to 41 if you can tonight. Um, So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. I wonder why Moses would put that into the narrative. Why would he put that in there? Are we really concerned about Joseph's looks? It's quite interesting, isn't it? Moses puts that into this narrative. God puts it there. Because Joseph would probably be any young man's dream guy. Really. There's nothing wrong in being handsome. Extremely beautiful if you're a girl, a woman. But note that these physical qualities may also bring with us greater temptations, right? Joseph had everything. He had power, he had prestige, he had position, he had fame, he had the good build, the physique, the looks, and he was not just a pretty-faced boy, but he also was a guy who had integrity in his life. And guess what? While Joseph was going about his business, you know the story very well, so I'm not going to go into all the details here, this handsome young man in his work, The Bible tells us he was well built. And after a while, his master's wife took notice and said said to Joseph, come to bed with me. In plain language, it means uh, I want to have Dada with you, right? Okay? Uh, Kids here, sex with you. Okay. I'm conscious of kids here. But that's basically what it is, right? And, And Potiphar's wife, I mean, she was going for it. And how does Joseph respond to her moves. In chapter 39, verse 8, he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. And the temptation would have been to say, well, no one's around here. Master is not here in the house. Let's just go for it. Right? That would have been the temptation. But notice for a moment how Joseph responds. It's, in fact, exactly uh, the opposite. It says, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Even be with her. Now, friends, the text tells us that this wife wanted everything of Joseph. Think for a minute, my friends, and think about Genesis chapter 3. When Satan pointed out to Adam and Eve, there's only one area that is held back from you. Isn't that unreasonable? Their immediate response was to want the one thing that God had not given them. The one thing. But now look at Joseph. When he reflects on the fact that there's only one thing that his master has not given him, He uses that as an argument against seeking that one thing. That one thing. He calls it wickedness, evil, sin in the eyes of God. 
how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? What a strategy. Joseph immediately cuts to the chase and he says, this thing that you're asking, it's, it's wrong. It violates the categories of God's moral law. Now, if you've been following um, uh, the stuff that's been going on, for example, in, in the U.S., you would have noticed that recently the top CIA director had to step down from his role, General Petraeus, because of an extra marital affair. Now, one would think, well, why is that? What has that got to do with his role as the CIA director, the highest um, military officer in the land? But he had to step back, step down from that role because of, uh, obviously, military uh, uh, compromise of secrets and so forth. But the marriage itself had come apart. And it was big news. You see, adultery does not get us anywhere. It affects marriages, it affects relationships, it affects families, and it destroys the fabric of society. And so here we have this woman wanting that. And it violates the categories of God's moral law. And Joseph shows us the way to resist temptation in fleeing from the situation. He reminds himself that this sin would be against God. I think that is a strategy for us. It certainly impacted on my life as well. If if I do this, how is it going to impact my relationship with God? It's a sin against God. And there will be consequences for that. And I think, friends, this is not the, the, the sermon, even though I would like to go on a tangent here. I think all of us face numerous temptations, and I, I'm sure that sexual temptation is a massive one today that many of us will be facing in our lives. And it's out there in the world. It's out on your computer. Uh, it's everywhere. Right? So be aware. So Joseph uh, does not give in. So far, so good. The best course of action is to flee, to run away. And so far, so good. But Potiphar's wife listened to his reasoning at first, but she thought of another strategy. Keep at it. Wear him down. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, imagine that, right? Here's Joseph, big guy, handsome guy. He's walking around the house. He's doing his work. He's faithfully serving his master. And his wife, please, please, please. Day after day, what a temptation. And Joseph had to endure these kinds of sexual overtures Day after day, daily pressure, and finally in a moment when Mrs. Potiphar catches him alone, he has to flee, and so he flees, and then his rejection of her turns her to become really angry, and so suddenly this woman who had a desire for him, she is rebuffed, she is rebuffed and then she turns from a sense of wanting to lust, from lust to anger. And uh, we know the story. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me, he ran away, and so we have the rest of the story in the chapter. This Hebrew slave, she says to her husband, this Hebrew slave you brought, uh, brought us came to me to make sport of me. What a lie. In other words, no woman is safe in this house with this Hebrew slave. And Joseph is wrongly accused. He's going to pay the price for honoring God by not sleeping with Mrs. Potiphar. Think about it, friends. Where is God? God abandoned Joseph? Uh, is it fair? Is God really in control of the situation? And so Joseph, is, uh, land, Joseph lands in prison. And we see the passage here before us uh, tonight again in, in um, 
in our, in our Bible reading. Let me see this. Um, Genesis chapter 39. Joseph's uh, master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Seems unfair to be sent to prison for doing something right. Where is God in all of this? Is God fair to Joseph as he abandoned him? Is it worth to do the right thing? You might be asking. Is it worth to take a stance for God? Uh, will there be a price that I have to pay if I seek to honor God? And so that's where the chapter is. And Joseph is in prison. And we go to chapter 40. And in, in the prison, Joseph is also doing a great work there. And God is blessing Joseph. God's favor rests upon uh, Joseph. And there he comes across two guys. The butler and the baker. Right? Two guys have been sent to prison. He walks into prison, notices two men, the king's cupbearer and the butler. Both have dreams. Um, dreams? Do you have dreams? Come on. We all have dreams, right? Do you get up fearful of your dreams? Do you get up the next day wondering what are those dreams about? Will they be fulfilled? Right. These, these, but, uh, these guys, they are dreams. We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretation belong to God. Tell me your dreams. And so Joseph interprets the dreams, and they are fulfilled. The cupbearer and the, and the baker hear the interpretation of their dreams. Good news for the cupbearer, bad news for the baker. Right? The cupbearer is freed, the baker is killed according to the interpretations given by Joseph, and Joseph requested the cupbearer to remember him when he was freed. But sadly, he did not. And then we go on and we see these dreams one is released, one faces the, the death. And then we go to chapter 41, and we see that Pharaoh has dreams as well. And uh, we notice this, that with Pharaoh's dreams, no one can interpret these dreams. And suddenly, the cupbearer remembers this guy after how many years? Two years. <laughs> what, a, what a guy, eh? He's had his dreams all said by, by Joseph. He forgets Joseph all along. He remembers suddenly about Joseph in the prison. And Pharaoh sends for Joseph. We have the story right away there. And then Pharaoh's dreams. The two dreams, seven years of plenty, the cows and so forth. The, the gaunt cows eating the, the fat cows. It's a weird dream, right? And, um, and, and Joseph comes up there. And in fact, Joseph says, um, it is up to God. It's, it's God who makes interpretations. And I was looking at this. It's quite interesting because Joseph is bringing in God talk into the natural conversation. Uh, we spoke about that in our evangelism and outreach thing, okay? Uh, he didn't have to give a sermon, but he just brought God in, in a good way. And he said, it's up to God to do this. And so Joseph interprets these dreams, which is twofold. One is that Egypt will have seven years of plenty, and they will have seven years of famine. And the interpretation looked good. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh. And in verse 38, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the is the Spirit of God. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one discerning and wise as you. So Joseph gives the plan, the strategy. He puts in place all that is necessary. The dreams uh, are fulfilled. There are seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Now my question is, has God permitted the famine to take place? Uh, is God really in control of the food matters in this world. Is God in control of the universe? Does he control droughts and famines? Does he control nature? What does the text tell us? Of course he does. 
He does. He is in control of everything. And so we have to see this once again. Another aspect of God that is coming through, and that is his sovereign control over nature. His sovereign control over creation. It's quite remarkable. There is nothing that is outside of his control. And we will see next week how God has used the famine to bring Joseph's brothers back and fulfill the dreams that Joseph himself had. So God was working out his plan as well. And the Lord's face turned towards Joseph in a favorable way. You see, friends, Joseph faced disappointment after disappointment in his life. Have you? You face disappointments? I'm sure we all have. What do you do with them? Right? Look at Joseph's life. He was in the pit, was down in slavery, into the palace, into the prison, and then from the pit, from, sorry, from the prison, he's in the pinnacle of office of public life. What a range of emotions and rejection and everything else that comes with it. Uh, someone said this, delay never thought God's purposes. It only polishes his instrument. God, sorry, delay never thought God's purposes. It only polishes his instrument. And that's what God does. God has drawn near to him, even in the hour of need. The question is, did God abandon Joseph? No. The answer is God never will when we trust him. God was working out his plan through the life of Joseph. And we have an interesting insight into how all of this impacted on Joseph's life. For example, uh, see clearly in the passage here tonight, before the years of famine came, two sons were born to, to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. And Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. And the second son he named Ephraim, and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Notice the names. Manasseh. God has made me forget all my trouble. Ephraim. God has made me fruitful. And one day, friends, Joseph's father Jacob would call, on, call for his Hebrew grandsons and kiss them and bless them. And then they will carry on the line in time to come, verse four, chapter 48. So in this story, we've seen a few things here tonight. We have seen Joseph. We have seen his position. We have seen the fact that he was placed in a position of authority. We've seen the temptations that came his way. We saw how Mrs. Mrs. Potiphar came into the scene and wanted to have sex uh, with him, commit adultery. We see the refusal by Joseph. He runs, he flees, he leaves his coat behind and runs, goes out of the building, uh, unfairly put into prison, is there in prison, is raised up there by God, God's favor rests upon him. And we see the butler and the baker getting the dreams. Joseph brings God into the picture, the interpretation is given, one lives, the other dies. Suddenly after two years, the cupbearer remembers him, then he's in Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh has a dream, dreams, that is interpreted, and then after that, Joseph is raised and exalted into the highest position in the land, the prime minister of Egypt. So what do we see here? Remarkable. Joseph, in concluding observations, I do want to make these points. 
You see, Joseph, he knew God and he trusted him. He knew God and sought to give God the glory in his life. You see, when we put our faith and our trust in God, God does not leave us, he does not abandon us. The God that we believe is the God who made the heavens and the earth. Think about it for a moment. I, I can't even begin to comprehend what a majestic and awesome God that we have. I mean, there's a sense of fear that overwhelms me at times when I think about this great God. And this great God is the God who, who put his face upon Joseph right there in his struggles. And his face was shining upon Joseph as Joseph kept on trusting in God alone and committed his life and to see the providence of God working in his life. I'm sure some of us can testify tonight how great our God is. We sang this great hymn, How Great Thou Art. Didn't we? This is the God that we worship. That's why we're here tonight, I trust. And maybe there's someone here who does not know the God of the Bible. Perhaps you've been searching. Perhaps you've been wondering about your life. Perhaps you've been going through a disappointment after disappointment. And perhaps God is speaking to you tonight and saying, trust me, because I will not abandon you. I never will abandon you as you trust me. Even when you're down in the prison of whatever situation you might be, God is there with us as we've seen tonight. Second thing we see here is that he was not afraid to bring God into the conversation with Pharaoh. Not afraid. He was an evangelist, if you want to put it that way. He was a missionary. He was one of those guys who took it seriously to share what he believed in God. How many opportunities you and I have to bring God into our conversations? Right? Think about it. You might be at the mechanic, getting your car done. I don't say something about uh, how God has been good to you or, or whatever. Just bring it in. When you see the bill, you might say, well, God will provide the money for me to pay this bill. Who knows where, how God leads these conversations, right? It's an opportunity for us to talk. So see Joseph also as an evangelist, as an evangelism, as an evangelist. This is evangelism on the job. So to honor God and give God the glory. The third thing I want to see for us to see tonight is this, that Joseph also believed God's word. The word of God endures forever, the Bible. He believed God's word and he let the word of God shape his character. And what we see in the life of Joseph is the shining gospel, the grace of God coming through and shaping Joseph's character in his life and in his commitment. And that will happen. When you trust God, God will begin to shape your life and begin to transform you and, begin to sh- and you will begin to shine as a witness for God. That's a tremendous thing. The fourth thing that we see here is this, that Joseph believed in God's providence. He knew that God would not abandon him and that God would provide for his every need, be it in prison or in the palace. So Joseph, friends, was unfairly treated. He was rejected and he was lonely, rejected by his brothers, sold, sent to prison unfairly, and unfairly treated. But tonight, 
I want to speak about someone else who was also rejected. A man of sorrows. One who was greater than Joseph, who was mistreated. One who was abandoned at the cross because Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Abandoned, as it were, from his disciples, from his friends, those around him. There is one who is greater than Joseph, and that one is Jesus. And he was abandoned at the cross, so that you and I, when we look to Jesus, will have life. And because we trust in him, the Bible tells us this. God's word tells us, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am always with you. God will never abandon us, no matter what our circumstances are. And it is this Jesus who gave his all in order that we might live. A greater one than Joseph is Jesus. And the life of Joseph points us to a greater than Joseph, and that is Jesus, our great Savior. Tonight, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I want to throw some questions here before I close. Do you know Jesus Christ this evening as your Savior? Is your life restless? Are you in a pit and can't get out of that place? Do you feel abandoned? Feel so alone? Well, I want to encourage you tonight to put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that he came. He left heaven, came to the splendor of this, uh, left the splendor of heaven and came upon this earth. Christmas, this month we celebrate. Our Christmas tree here, it's all lighted up. It reminds us of, our, not the Christmas tree, reminds us of what the message is all about as, uh, as we prayed tonight. And it is this Jesus who died, who rose again from the dead and is at the right hand of God, will come back once again so that even one day when you and I feel so alone, when we have to face the cold, chilling hand of death, you might have 150 people around you, but at the end of the day, friends, we have to face this thing called death all by ourselves, alone. And the Lord is with us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they shall comfort me. This is the Savior that we worship. Tonight, if you don't know Christ, please come and see us. We'd love to share about Jesus with you. And to those of us who know Christ tonight, Friends, let us rejoice that our God is a great God and he never will leave us and never will forsake us. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the life of Joseph. And most of all, we thank you that through Joseph's life, we see you working out your purposes, Lord, that you receive the glory and praise. I pray this evening, if there is anyone here who does not have a living relationship 
with the true and almighty God. That tonight might be the beginning of a new journey of faith. With those of us who know you, we pray that we will rejoice with the fact that our God has not abandoned us, that our Savior is with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen.